Today's episode is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is a seller and producer of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming on the internet. Audible sells digital audiobooks, radio and TV programs, and audio versions of magazines and newspapers. To start using Audible today, please visit their website at www.audible.com. That's www.audible.com. So sorry for the interruption, but we have a quick announcement. We've just put together a quick app to consolidate past and upcoming episodes of this show. To download the app, simply use your cell phone camera to scan the QR code on the screen. Then, simply add the app to your home screen for easy access and a better experience. Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they launched their businesses. Before we get started with today's guest, please follow Rami's Instagram account so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. If you'd like to watch previous episodes, simply click on Rami's IGTV section or scan the QR code at the beginning of this video to download the app. If you'd like to get more information and analytics about each guest, simply visit the podcast website at takingyoutothetop.cf. Now, let me spend a moment to introduce today's guest before Rami gets started. Today's guest is the founder of the new company. The new company develops natural, science-backed supplements designed to work with your body, not against it. They make supplements from real food. Every ingredient is active. Every gram is effective. Every nutrient is absorbed. Join Rami in welcoming him to the show. If you have any questions for our guest today, please leave them in the comments section below. That being said, we hope you enjoy today's episode. Without further ado, are you ready to take it to the top? A few moments later. Okay, Charlie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's episode number 12 of Taking You to the Top. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So if you wouldn't mind uh, to get us started, if you could introduce yourself, take us back from the beginning, tell us where you're from and how your journey led you to becoming the founder of the new company. Yes, I'm Charlie Gower, the founder, COO of the new co. Uh, actually, I have quite an interesting background, probably not atypical of most entrepreneurs. So I actually started my career as a professional sportsman. So I was fortunate enough to play professional rugby for London Irish, which is a team in the UK. Um, and people often ask me, was, was it the right decision coming out of college or high school to do that? And I think that the experience you get and the exposure at that stage of your career is like nothing else. You know, imagine being thrust into the NFL for those that are in the US. You know, the exposure to the types of individual that you're around, both from a capability standpoint, but also from a skill set and a determination to kind of reach the top of what they do, is really like nothing else. Probably nothing you're really going to get exposed to at, at university. So I was super fortunate to be able to do that for five years. And that's where I kind of started to develop my interest and passion for the supplement space unfortunately that actually came to an end due to injuries so like most rugby players nfl players i have a very long list of things that have gone wrong with my body from broken bones to hundreds of stitches and 
you know, the list is long. Um, thankfully, that list has stopped growing since I stopped playing. Um, but then I went to work in the city of London um, before starting my first venture, which was a, a technology business. It was a software business that helped give exposure to software engineers to either jobs, career opportunities, or open source projects for those that are slightly more technical that are listening. We were able to build that, um, and in the first couple of years, we hit over a million in, in profit. That was a totally bootstrap business, and I think that taught me entrepreneurship in the rawest sense. You know, we were self-funded. We were building something um, to make money, generate money in order to survive. So it's a tough place to be, particularly through that first 12 months. That being said, we were very fortunate that we, we actually went after a niche. So we were able to focus in on a really specific set of users that we were acquiring and obviously therefore being able to monetize. You know, it's kind of a double-edged sword now. As a result, it's probably not growing quite to the scale that it probably could have because of how niche the offering was. But that business is still in good shape. We have two offices, one in the UK and one in New York. And it continues to grow. Um, again, we've never taken on funding. So I think it's around six years old as of November. So, you know, a self-funded business, particularly in the tech space, is quite a rare thing these days. So Absolutely. as I said, it gave me my first my first awakening to entrepreneurship, which actually led to the NUCO. So in running my own business um, before the NUCO, I was fortunate enough to meet Jules Miller, who's my wife, as well as co-founder of the business. Um, she'd been a long-term sufferer of IBS, and it was something where she'd sort of tried to take products or self-medicate as a such, and never really got the results she wanted. Um, her grandfather was actually um, a, a chemist from the University of Cambridge, so sat down with him, kind of discussed some of her particular issues, and they decided to explore avenues where she could not just self-medicate, but create a product that spoke to her particular needs with the problem. So through that, the new co was born. And I think, you know, her combination with my background in sport, which is very performance driven when it comes to supplements, is really what's led to where the brand is today. And we've created a brand that we believe is both aspirational in the way that it's designed aesthetically, but also from a product perspective. You know, fundamentally, our, our products work. So if you look at any of our reviews or the commentary that comes with them, you know, the, the response from our customers is one where there's actually these products work, which is, again, something that is difficult to come by in our space. Sure. I mean, um, how, how does, I mean, for someone who doesn't understand the supplement space, how does your product differ from what's available in the market at the moment? And when you say it works, does it work for a specific, uh, are there like a set of requirements for it? Yeah. Yeah, well, not really. So for us, you know, as I said, the, the business was created or built from a specific need and problem that Jules had. So IBS was the problem. So we built a solution right. to that. So, you know, we were looking at particular need states and that's where the brands continued to evolve. So we developed products that help with gut health, uh, sleep issues, stress issues, uh, energy and skin. And we really focus on particular needs within those subsets. So within each of those verticals, gut health, for example, there's a whole host of different things that can lead to good and bad gut health. So we've created a catalog or collection of products 
that speak to those different needs. And that's how we continue to grow. So we'll focus in on particular problems that customers may have and create problems that deliver solutions to that, create products that deliver solutions to those problems. And I think one thing that's probably different and quite unique from us um, within the supplement space, you probably have the, you know, the over-the-counter meds that you'd get from a pharmacy or something that you'd then take yourself that's slightly more, uh, I hate to use the word, but like woo-woo wellness. You know, the wellness space has boomed and everybody seems to think they have a solution to the problem. And what we do is um, we combine both clinical studies, trialed medicines that we know actually have clinical backgrounds and studies that supplement what we're saying as well as alternative medicines so like the Chinese and the Vedic medicines to create the products that we have. And is this company uh, also bootstrapped or did you raise for the new cook? Yes, I think, you know, from my experience of having bootstraps, um, yeah. we realized that actually to get this business to where we wanted it to be as individuals, we knew we were going to have to raise some capital. So, We've done, I think, three rounds of funding. So we did initial family and friends round of funding. Uh, then we went into a seed stage, followed by a Series A stage. Um, you know, we've been really fortunate that you know the brand that we've created and the quality of the products we've created have attracted some relatively high-profile venture investors. So we have Unilever Ventures as an investor, Morningside Group, um, which is a very large family fund. Also, um, Redo Ventures, who are a family fund that spun out of L'Occitane, which is a very famous skincare brand, um, and a few other investors who we're, we're, we're fortunate to have as part of um, our cap table, and people where we have great advice, insight into helping us build and continue to scale. So how much did you raise in your, I think, Series A would be your latest? Yeah, so in, in total, we've raised $9 million. Okay. And yeah. I think that was, if my research is correct, that was June last year. It was actually May last year, but June we can settle on June. That's close enough. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> a year, a year and a month has passed. Yeah. Do you think you'll Absolutely. be raising again anytime soon? So. You know, raising money is an interesting game and everybody has different sort of opinions of how to do it and, and why you should do it. I think that direct consumer e-commerce businesses are, you know, at the moment getting, you know, a, a rough ride of things because they're not potentially focusing on building sustainable business models. And for us, that's not what we wanted to do. You know, luckily, I have the background of building a business that had to be sustainable from day one. So know the benefits of being able to create a business like that. So for us, we probably will raise another round, but as a sustainable profitable business. So we hit profitability in May this year, um, which is really encouraging. We're still continuing to grow about 150% um, versus last year. So we've got really good growth rate, but we're also managing to get to that place where we're profitable. Um, so the capital is allowing us to invest more intelligently in our marketing channels and our people channels so you know two key channels for us that will continue that growth but not at the cost of not being a business that can be long-term sustainable so long and the short answer to that is we will raise more money but we will control that fundraising because we'll be profitable and if you don't mind me asking in your series a uh, was it a convertible note or, no, so we did a convertible note. We did a convertible note in um, November 2018. Okay. Yeah. 
which led into the Series A. So I think that what was a, a, you know a good learning curve and potentially anyone that's listening is you know that that cash flow model structuring your finances from day one is hugely challenging. You know you're making huge guesses at uh, potential sales volumes, where your customers are going to be, and you know how much money they're going to spend. I think we were fortunate that we had great people around the business to be able to help us do that. The reason we did a convertible note was because we actually just wanted to delay the time of doing the raise based on you know, increasing that valuation, getting to a better place to preserve that equity. And something that, you know, a lot of founders who I'm advising at the moment, they, they give up equity cheap because they think yeah. raising money is, is the goal. But actually, you know, when it gets to series A, series B, you know, that half percent, one percent you've given up for cheap is something sure. that you wish you hadn't. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it, it's it's really difficult getting that right at an early stage business, the amount of money you need, the valuation you should be raising at, but I think we've done a good job of it. Um, but of course that's been, you know, being able to do that because of sales and continuing to grow. Definitely. Uh, talking about your amazing team, what's your current team size today? So we're 18 as of today. We'll hopefully be 2022 within the next coming weeks. Um, you know, hiring for us is something we put a lot of time, energy and effort into. We know that, you know, working for a startup at our stage isn't easy. You know, there's a lot of demand, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of um, challenges that come with that pressure in terms of maintaining the rate of growth that we're happy with. So, you know, we really do invest in people that we hire and also want to make sure that we hire people that are really passionate about what we're trying to achieve as a business. So they're brought into the goal, they're brought into the vision of Jules and I and they want to be part of that because you know that makes the hard work a little bit easier um but you know anybody that's thinking about joining a startup that's potentially venture backed you know there's there's you know you should go into that with certain expectations of what will be expected of you as well and i think that's something that has been an interesting again learning curve for us that startups actually aren't right for everybody um and it's super yeah. important you get those highs right and are, are your 18 current employees all based in the UK or spread between UK and New York? So we're spread at the moment. So we have a few in New York, but HQ is, is in London. So we actually launched the business in New York four years ago, um, made a decision uh, midway through last year to relocate head office to the UK, both Jules and I are from the UK. Um, you know, as we look towards being more of a global business from a time zone perspective, it made more sense. And we were at the, the right size to be able to make that transition. A lot of our um, employees came with us. They were English. So, you know, we've been able to restructure slightly this year, build HQ. Um, and I'm actually in the office for the first time today. So it's nice to actually oh, be really? in a, an office, which is a rarity these days. Sure. So spread, uh, would you say the majority in the UK then? Yeah, that's right. So the core is in the UK. Okay. The core of the team is in the UK and will continue to be HQ and where we, we do the majority of our hiring. But from a market perspective, the core market is the US. So 80, 90% of our revenues come out of the US. Okay. Um, my next question is more of a, let's say a challenge. If you okay. were to start a company today and you wanted to get the word out, which marketing channel yeah. has worked the best for you in the past and you would probably continue to use it today? 
Interesting question. So, I mean, I can tell you what we did as it were, um, and then I can tell you what I would have done differently. So we actually launched exclusively with another retailer. So we are a direct consumer business. 80% of our sales are online through our own channels. We have a little arm that does wholesale. You know, the reason for that is because it gives the brand visibility, also creates credibility in, in our products. You know, if we're sold at Nordstrom, someone sees our product in Nordstrom, it's just going to create that brand narrative and visibility that is quite difficult to get to your own channels. So we actually launched exclusively with Net-A-Porter. So we launched for, I think it was a two-month period, um, where they launched the brand, they helped build the brand's narrative, they helped build the story around jewels and the products that we were launching. And I think that's what gave us the initial penetration into the market because we got immediate visibility through a credible source. You know, most people nowadays think the channel to go after is paid social media, so paid to play on Instagram and Facebook, but actually the, the consumer is far more aware that they're being served ads now, so you need to create and craft a narrative that becomes believable and something they want to consume. So by doing that through another brand who's already credible that the consumer already trusts, is a lot faster route to doing that. You know, if you go and you're, I'm not sure if you know Netsporter, so I should explain. It's, it's one of the most, yeah, okay, it's a high-profile luxury, high luxury wholesaler. Um, one of the first businesses to be able to sell some of the luxury brands, fashion brands online. Um, and what was interesting, they, were, they are a fashion retailer, but they were looking to develop their wellness, grooming, beauty arm of the business. And they were willing to take a chance on us as a brand that had never made a sale, but we crafted that with them. We crafted the story. As I said, it really helped give us that penetration into market. And I think alongside of that, by doing that, Vogue um, wrote a piece about jewels. Um, and that goes back to probably creating the narrative of what your brand wants to stand for and what is the story behind it. You know, we've got a powerful story that Jules essentially created products to solve an issue that she had and they worked. Um, and that led to the launch of the business. So, you know, that brand narrative, that story and, and who you're launching with is key, particularly from a direct consumer e-com perspective, because I think the days of just being able to pump money into social media and, and paid ads on Google and Facebook no, they're not dead, they're absolutely core acquisition channels, but they should be part of an acquisition strategy, not the only acquisition strategy. So to be honest, if I did it again, I would do exactly the same thing. Okay, so launch with uh, someone who's already prominent in the market, and that will help yeah. speed things up. They build the story for you, they build the narrative, they build that credibility. Today, we're about a 50-50 split in terms of our acquisition and our marketing, so 50% on paid media channels and the other 50% is organically built. So press, PR, um, organic social channels. And as I said, we've been able to do that because we crafted a story that people are interested in. So when we do new things and when we talk about it, people are already bought into what we are as a brand and what we stand for. And that's been key since day one. And maybe that's been interesting in terms of raising money. Something maybe people listening are interested in is actually we're quite rare in, in that instance when you start off you know your core channels are probably 80 90 percent into those paid media channels facebook and google um whereas we kind of set the tone and said actually we want to build this more organically with brand credibility and we've been able to do that which is great amazing i mean yeah you're right i mean every time i speak to somebody they tell me social media yeah the first time i've uh, i've heard to just jump straight to the top, I guess that yeah. you're going to like the yeah, top I mean, online retailers. 
yeah, it's not easy. I think, you know, you need to be sure that your product is going to resonate and you have to find a retailer that's willing to take that chance, um, which, which we were able to do. But I still think there's very different ways you can penetrate the market that aren't just dependent on the paid media. And it does go back to what I said earlier, that the consumer is just far more educated now. They, you know, they know they're being served an ad and that immediately creates an impression of who that brand is and what they're trying to do. You know, don't, again, I'm not denying that we don't use that, those channels. We, we absolutely do and we benefit from them, but it's part of an acquisition strategy, not our only one. Um, you know, it's so easy to launch an e-com site nowadays, but if you can do it where you're actually starting to build that story and narrative around who you are and, and what you want to learn long term, you're going to be far more successful. For sure. Okay, uh, Charlie, this next section is uh, for those listening who are just starting their journey. Um, I'm trying to find, let's say, problems that you think somebody can go out and fix. Yeah. Um, over, over, let's say, the last few weeks, have you come across any issues that you think are repetitive and may need solving by, you know, a creation of a software or a creation of a, a service to solve that problem? You're asking me to launch a new business. Sounds like <laughs> if, I, sort of, if I had the answer, or, I might be doing a third one. <laughs> on, to, on to number three. Um, uh, I mean, there's obvious issues right now that everybody's facing and something that, you know, everybody is faced with at the moment is uncertainty. So, you know, for us as a business at the moment, because there's yeah. not real clarity on where the world's heading, each market that we're in, what's the current status, what's the situation with retail, you know, there's huge amounts of uncertainty. So there's a lot, again, additional pressure on our team. They have to move quickly they have to move fast and they have to be very agile in their approach decision-making. So, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of sounds like I'm asking for a, a magic wand or a crystal ball, which is going to be tough with software. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I think if I was to create a, a, a tool that would help us make decisions fast, empower people to make those decisions, it would probably be an evolution of you know this that we're doing now. So something that's more connected than Zoom and Google Hangouts that makes remote working easier, and it allows you to connect very quickly to people on video calls, and it doesn't feel that each call or conversation needs to be set up and structured. Um, right. You know there is that difficulty when you're remote, you're not having side by side conversations or you know conversations that would happen organically or naturally where you discuss certain things in a business you have to structure and book things in. So, you know, maybe a, a conferencing tool that feels a little bit more organic rather than forced, like I feel most Zoom and Google Hangout calls are. You know, for instance, we booked this call like two weeks in advance. Like, you know, how could that just have naturally been like a message, let's jump on a call, um, yeah. where we still feel connected, particularly internally for a team. So probably a software that's an evolution of the Zoom. And I think it's going to come, to be honest. Like, you know, you see Zoom share price and where that headed. I think that you know, innovation in this space with remote working becoming more prominent and connectivity being so important as part of that, we're going to see some really nice movement. Um, and it just goes back to helping my team make decisions faster and, and making them feel a bit more empowered. Got it. All right. I don't so, know if that um, was your question. 
It does. I mean, it's more complicated than I expected, but I'm sure it's heading in that direction. Crystal ball is where you asked for <laughs> the magic one. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Charlie, let's wrap up with the famous five. Yeah. So number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, I've got a few, but as you put me on the spot, I'd say uh, Laszlo Box. So he was, I think he was head of people at Google for a very long time. He wrote a book called Work Rules, um, which helps you develop leadership strategies um, for your internal cultures. And that was one that I read maybe in the first couple of months of launching my last business. And I'm still using everything that I learned from that today. Um, so that is one that if you're an entrepreneur and you're in a leadership position um, or you're going to build out a team, I'd put that right at the top of the list. All right. Um, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, yes, I mean, it would be, I won't say Elon Musk. I do love Elon Musk. <laughs> I love following him and I love seeing his brain work, you know, listening yeah. to him on podcasts where you know, you almost feel like his brain is ticking over before he says anything. And then he says something with such insight and impact, which is great. Right. Um, but the, the founder of Reddit, I think his name is Alexis, um, who's married to Serena Williams. I think he's a really interesting guy. And, you know, a lot of what he does, I think he's got quite a, a good profile on LinkedIn. So I would yeah. highly recommend following him. He recently stepped down from the board at Reddit to give his position to a person of color, which I think is you know, a huge testament to where his head is and what he's trying to do in the world. So, yeah, him. Great. Uh, number three, what's your favorite online tool for growing your business? Uh, I mentioned it a minute ago, but Shopify is um, an e-com platform. It's what we run our website off. Um, it's an amazing tool. You know, anybody, as I said, can launch a, a website. I'm about, I'm, I think I'm doing a podcast with them in a couple of weeks of how we used it. So, you know, that for me is just such a great tool and something that we've benefited from hugely and it continues to get better. So that. Yeah, um, I'm quite a user of them as well. Yeah. Um, number four, if you could give your 20 year old self a piece of advice, what would it be? Not necessarily a regret, but just advice. Um, it's probably, you know, fail fast, to be honest. So don't be afraid of, of making mistakes. Even when I was a sportsman, you know, that nervousness about making mistakes would probably lead to you not learning quickly enough about, you know, how you react in certain situations. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's hugely important. You know, there's so much you don't know, and there still is so much that I don't know today, even in my second, second go at it, um, that it's just like having the ability to kind of experience things quickly you know, good and bad. Um, you know, obviously the bad is where you probably learn most anyway. Everybody likes the good more. But, you know, if I could have told myself not to be afraid of failure, and I think it's quite cliche, but that's definitely something that will put you in a good place if you can take on that mindset. And then secondly, actually, you know, do something every week that makes you nervous. You know, that's something that someone told me a long time ago. So, you know, coming out of playing sport and starting to work, professionally and you know even launch my own business you know do something where you feel a little bit nervous because it puts you under pressure it makes you think and it makes you grow as a person so that's definitely those two sure i agree with that um yeah number five how many hours of sleep do you get every night yeah i mean i should say lots considering i have sleep products as part of our collection so <laughs> we have two 
I might plug them. We have two sleep products. One is a uh, helps you ease off to sleep. It's called Sleep Drops. And then we have a Sleep Plus, which is for those that wake up in the middle of the night who can fall asleep, but then have waking up in the middle of the night issues. So it helps keep you asleep. So we have those two. Um, the answer to the question is not a lot because I have a dog that is mad. And if it's not in our bed, it will bark and it will eventually end up in our bed. But I probably sleep between six, five to six hours a night. Not enough. Five so to I'll six hours. We'll settle on 5.5. Yeah, done. Sure. All right. Okay, Charlie, thank you so much for coming on today and giving us some of your time. I know you're really busy, uh, but I really hope that in a year's time, I can possibly catch up with you to see where the company's grown. It would be really yeah. interesting. Great. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on and, and keep up all the good work. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Cheers. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is a seller and producer of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming on the internet. Audible sells digital audiobooks, radio and TV programs, and audio versions of magazines and newspapers. To start using Audible today, please visit their website at www.audible.com. That's www.audible.com.